Patriots, welcome back to the Growing Patriots podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. Well, now you have been introduced to 10 of the original American colonies. This week, you'll be introduced to the final three, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. And we're going to talk about plantation life, which all three of them had in common. So first, we're going to introduce you to two brothers who are going to be asking questions together this week. My name is Isaac, and I'm seven, and I'm from North Carolina. My name is Adam, and I am Fort, and I am from Carolina. And what are your questions? What are slaves? Were the animals on the plantation? How did they keep the bugs on the plant off of the plantation? What kind of crops did they grow on the plantation? Of course, before we get to the answers to those questions, just like always, we're going to do a little bit about the history of those colonies. the Carolinas. So for those, we go all the way back to 1629, when a man named Sir Robert Heath got a land grant for the province of what was called then Carolina. So that word comes from the word Carolus, which was Latin for Charles, because he got the land grant from Charles I, who was king of England at the time. But there were problems with that land grant, and it was ruled invalid, and nothing ever really happened. The land wasn't settled then. But then later, in 1663, the grant was reissued by his son, Charles II, and that was in exchange for some political help. The charter was then issued to a group of eight different noblemen, but they were led by Anthony Ashley Cooper, Earl of Shaftesbury. For the first three years, there was just the one province, Carolina, but then in 1669, it broke into two provinces. Now, you might think it was going to be North and South because they become North and South Carolina, but nope, the North was called Albemarle and the South was called Clarendon. It wasn't until 1712 that they actually became separate colonies, and it was at that point that they took on the names North Carolina and South Carolina. But they still had the same leaders at that time. It wasn't until five years later, in 1719, that the people rebelled against the leaders. And in 1720, a royal governor was appointed. And in 1729, they became a royal colony. Up until then, they had been a proprietary colony, which pretty much means that the people who owned the land were in charge. Georgia was like that too, but it wasn't started until almost a century after the Carolinas. They didn't get their land grant until 1732. I bet you guys can guess why Georgia was called Georgia. It was named after the king, George II. That land charter was granted to General James Oglethorpe, who was the, also the first governor of Georgia. Now, the reason for settling Georgia was pretty interesting. Oglethorpe wanted a safe place for English subjects who had been put in prison for debt, which means that they owed money that they couldn't pay back, and because of that, they'd been put in prison. So what he did was he went to debtors' prisons, and he looked for what he considered to be worthy debtors, so people of good character, and he looked at the circumstances that had gotten them into trouble in the first place. So from that, he picked 35 families, 120 people total, and they were off to Georgia. Another reason for the settlement of Georgia also came into play with the Carolinas, and that was that England wanted a buffer, which is like a safe zone in between 
the American colonies and Florida, because Florida was still Spanish at that time, and they just wanted to make sure that there was some room for protection in there. So rather than have that be land that wasn't claimed by any European country, they wanted to make sure that that was theirs and they were protecting it. Georgia was also bordered by Louisiana, though, and that was French. So they had that buffer, as they called it, on two sides. Georgia was also a proprietary colony, which meant that Oglethorpe, who owned the land, was the guy in charge. But they didn't really do a great job of running it, so they actually asked to become a royal colony in 1752, just 20 years after he was originally granted the land. And they did become a royal colony in 1755. One thing that's interesting about Georgia is that all religions were welcome except Catholics. Oglethorpe also disagreed with slavery. He didn't want any of the big plantations like they had in South Carolina and North Carolina, but just wanted smaller farms instead. Slavery was actually prohibited until 1751. At that point, Oglethorpe went back to England, though, and Georgia asked to become a royal colony. That kind of went out the window. Slavery became allowed. Big plantations popped up. And things didn't quite go like Oglethorpe had planned. So as you'll see when we talk to our expert this week, plantations were actually a huge part of all three of these colonies. And that's what we're going to talk about next with Sean Halifax, the Cultural History Interpretation Coordinator with the Charleston County Park and Recreation Commission. Let's dive right in. Isaac's first question was, what are slaves? So that's a really good question. Um, The first thing to remember is that um, slaves are people, just like me and you. Um, These are people that had families. They had moms and dads and grandparents and brothers and sisters, and they would grow up to have children. Um, And as I said, they're just like you and me. One thing, though, that's very different is that people that were called slaves were people that didn't have rights. In other words, they were people that couldn't make decisions for themselves oftentimes. Um, These are people that were forced to come to the colonies at first. In fact, the first um, slaves to come into the colony of Virginia was just a few years after the colony was established in 1607. Um, and the first time that slavery or slaves were um, mentioned as far as passing from a mother to a child was not long after the colony was started in Virginia. Um, but Enslaved people, which is another term that's used to describe slaves, enslaved people, they um, were forced to work, and they didn't get paid for their work like maybe your parents get paid or your grandparents get paid for the work they do. Um, They didn't get paid. Um, One important thing is that um, they weren't allowed to learn how to read or write. They weren't allowed to leave where they were without permission And it wasn't just for children, it was both children and adults. So um, there was a lot of things that they were not allowed to do. Um, The thing to remember most about um, slaves, though, is that they were people. There were some people at the time that thought 
that they weren't people or that they were not quite people. But one of the things that we know to be true today, of course, is that they were people just like you and me. And one of the amazing things is, is that even though there were millions of people that experienced this, so many people were able to survive. Um, and even though they might be punished um, for doing things they weren't supposed to do, many, many people were able to survive. Um, one way that people would be punished for not doing the things they were supposed to do is they might be whipped. But sometimes even more difficult than that is that if someone was not doing what they were supposed to do, then they could be sold away. They could be bought and sold like property, like animals, and they could be sold away and forced to move someplace else, maybe sold away from their parents or from their children, which was probably one of the most terrible things that could happen to someone. But like I said, these are people, they were people, and many, many, many people were able to survive um, living as slaves either on plantations or even in people's homes that lived in the cities and in the towns, um, whether it was in the South where I'm from in South Carolina or whether it was in some place like Massachusetts. Okay, that was a great answer. Looking specifically at South Carolina, North Carolina, and Georgia, what were the, the main crops that were grown? Sure. So that's a really good question. There were a lot of different kinds of crops that were grown in South Carolina and North Carolina and Georgia. And some of those crops, there were some that were more popular um, than others, and those we call cash crops. So in South Carolina, North Carolina, and Georgia, um, some of the cash crops were um, cotton, which is a plant that's used to make clothing, um, another one was, in North Carolina particularly, was tobacco. That was also grown in Virginia. Um, and then a third one was rice, like the food that we eat. Rice was grown along the coast of all three states, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Georgia. Um, there were lots of other crops that were grown too, vegetable crops like corn and peas and beans and sweet potatoes. And the thing that made these things um, different than other kinds of farms is that they were being grown primarily, mostly so that the owner of the farm or the plantation could make money. So they would be sold to someone else who would ship them far away, um, oftentimes to Europe um, or other places. And instead of being eaten right there or used right there um, where it was grown, it was shipped away and the person that was the owner would make money. So the big crops were cotton, um, tobacco, and rice. Okay, great. And this one was one of Adam's questions that really I had never even thought of before, which was how did they keep uh, the insects away? Oh, well, to keep insects away, well, one is you want to keep insects away from you because one of the problems was is that back then, um, sometimes, and even today, insects can carry diseases. So um, sometimes those diseases can make you very sick or even kill you. So one thing that you wanted to do was to try to keep bugs away, and one way you could keep bugs away from you was by um, – 
making sure that there was a smoky fire around, um, or sometimes you were able to use different kinds of things that you found out in the woods that would act like insect repellent, and so they might rub that onto their skin. But on plantations, um, insects could devour, just eat up everything there was to that cash crop. And so the primary way that most, um, the most important way that insects were kept away from the crops was that people would go out into the fields and they would have to pick those insects by hand. So if you've ever um, grown a plant in your yard or at your house and you've ever seen an insect on that plant, you may have picked that plant off or picked that insect off with your fingers um, and moved it away or maybe you squished it between your fingers. That's exactly what was being done um, at places like plantations where people would have to just take the take the insect off of the plant by hand. Um, sometimes they might be able to use what we call a pesticide or a chemical, um, but that wasn't done very often. Most often it was done by hand. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot of work. Yeah, and it just reminded me, too, another way that insects were kept away, like, for instance, we don't like to have insects inside of our house oftentimes, and so one way that insects were kept away was by making sure that there were chickens or another kind of bird called guinea fowl that were out in the yard, and those those birds would be out there, and they would peck through the grass and the dirt to try to get at some of the insects that were there. Oh, okay. And that kind of actually goes into the fourth question, which is, were there animals working on the plantations, and what did they do? Absolutely. There were animals. In fact, that's one of the things that makes these places what they were, is that there were animals here. And animals came um, in all different forms. There were everything from um, cows and horses and mules to chickens um, and cats and dogs and all of the things that we think of as far as animals being on a farm today. They had the same animals then. They just had different jobs. So... For instance, sometimes there were um, cows that were on plantations, and their job was to provide milk that could be used to make um, cheese or cream or milk to drink. Sometimes the cows that were on plantations were there so that they could be used for beef, for something to eat, for people to eat. Um, Chickens would provide food like eggs, or also they could become meat to eat. Um, and then there were things like sheep, oftentimes, that were there to make, uh, to grow wool, so to make clothing out of. Um, animals just served all kinds of purposes. Things like dogs were used, um, sometimes as animals that, um, to act as guard dogs to, to kind of protect. Um, you know, the first question we were talking about, um, you know, what the question was what slaves were. Well, one of the things that, that animals were used sometimes was to make sure that enslaved people were where they were supposed to be, when they were supposed to be there. And dogs sometimes would be used because sometimes dogs can be, can be, um, can be kind of mean and they would make sure that those dog, those dogs were making sure that people were where they were supposed to be, kind of like guard dogs. Um, but then there were other animals, um, on plantations. Um, there were things like, um, well, there were wild animals that were there. 
birds that would come in that would have to actually be um, kept away from some of the crops, and that would be the job of oftentimes young boys that were enslaved. Their job was to keep wild animals from getting to the crops and eating the crops like rice. In fact, there was a bird that was called rice bur- a rice bird, and those rice birds could, could destroy a rice crop, and so young boys would go out to the fields, rice fields, and make sure that those birds were kept away um, from the plant so that the plant wouldn't be completely eaten by the birds. Um, so animals were an important part. Sometimes they were helpful, and sometimes they weren't so helpful, but they were an important part of life on plantations. You told me an interesting story about a man named Jemmy, and I would love for you to tell the kids about that. So, yes, there's the story of a man named Jimmy, and Jimmy um, lived here in South Carolina, and this story takes place a long time ago. It was in 1739, which is um, just a few years, about 35 years before the American Revolution. And this was this story. It occurred. It happened on a on a Sunday in September. So it was getting close to fall. And one Sunday morning, before the sun rose, um, Jimmy and a group of other people gathered together. And the reason they gathered together is because they were upset that there was not the kind of freedom and the liberty that they thought they deserved. And so they gathered together early in the morning and they started to march. And they were marching down this road and as they marched down the road, they were carrying with them flags and they were drumming on drums and they were chanting. And the word that they chanted the most was this word liberty. And they continued to march and as they marched and the sun rose up, more and more people started to join them until there was almost a hundred people marching along through the countryside. Unfortunately, as they were marching down the road, uh, another group of people came up and it just so happened that this group of people included um, the Lieutenant Governor, his name was William Bull. The Lieutenant Governor is like the Assistant Governor um, of South Carolina, and he was returning from a trip that he had taken to Georgia. And when he saw this group of 100 people protesting, he became a little concerned. So he turned around and he went as fast as he could back to the closest town. And by the, this time, all of the town members were already at church. Remember, this was Sunday, so most everybody was at church, and he went to the church. And he alerted all of the people that were there, and he raised up a group of men, and they formed a militia. And they wanted to stop these folks that were protesting and wanting their liberty. And so they eventually, the two groups of people um, met, and when they met, there was a fight that broke out. And it just so happened that... um, the governor and his militia ended up being victorious in this fight that broke out. But, you know, the really important thing to know about all of this story is that Jimmy was a man, and he was born in Africa in a place called Angola. And Jimmy had been forced to come to South Carolina, 
And when he was here, he was forced to be a slave. Um, Jimmy, we think, was a Christian. Um, and he knew that um, he was a person that deserved freedom. And that's why he and the others had gathered together, was they wanted to be free. They didn't want to work as slaves on plantations. Um, and unfortunately for Jimmy and that group of people desiring their freedom, you know, they got, um, they were intercepted. They were caught by the governor. And after they had been caught, Jimmy and several of the others that had been involved were captured and their punishment was to be put to death. However, some people that had been part of the protest, they actually got away. Um, we don't know how many people actually were able to get to where they planned to be, which was in Spanish Florida, where they could find their freedom in Florida, but we know that some did escape. And others that had been captured during this battle, during this, this fight, um, they were sent back to where they were from and punished when they, when they got there. Um, at following this, after this, um, the colony here in South Carolina made a lot of changes, and they passed laws. I mentioned before that people that were enslaved were not allowed to learn how to read or write. Um, and in 1739, after this battle had happened, this uprising had happened, the colony passed laws that that's when it, it made it illegal for um, people to learn how to read or write that for slaves. So there was a big change to things, and um, kind of the idea, what we know when we think of the institution of slavery today, a lot of the laws that were passed in 1739 and 1740 um, were the laws that made slavery into what we think of today when we think of slavery. You know, the, again, you know, one of the most important things, one of the ways that we know about this story is that I mentioned Jimmy was a person and he was African and he was from Angola and that he was a Christian man. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that's important to know about him is that he was also a father. And one of the ways that we know about this story, not only did the colonial officials write about this story, but also Jimmy's children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren, they passed this story along generation to generation. So today, the people that are descended from Jimmy, they still, some of them still live here in South Carolina, and they still tell this story when they have family reunions and get-togethers. Wow. So ultimately, for Jimmy, even though he didn't find his liberty, his freedom, um, his children or his grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they eventually did. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Oh, you're very welcome. Adam and Isaac, thank you guys for coming on the show today. Goodbye. 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 loved learning about plantation life today. Let's talk about what we did learn. We learned a lot about how the Carolinas and Georgia were founded, how they got their names, who was in charge, all kinds of good stuff. We talked about slavery and that slaves were people just like you and me, but they were people without rights and were treated like property. 
Fortunately, as you keep listening, you'll hear how they became free, but unfortunately, it took way too long. Popular plantation crops were corn, tobacco, and rice, but they also grew things like corn, peas, beans, and sweet potatoes. Now, plantations are different from other farms because they grew things that they could sell to make money, not just things for their family and neighbors to eat. These are things that were shipped away, a lot of times all the way to Europe. Bugs could be a problem on plantations for a lot of reasons. People didn't want them around, not just because they're kind of gross, but because they could carry diseases. So a nice smoky fire could keep bugs away, or there were some natural things that you could rub on your skin that bugs might not want to come near. But to keep them away from your plants, people pretty much just had to take them off by hand and squish them. Yuck. Some animals like chickens and guinea fowl like to eat bugs though, so if you had enough of those around, it would at least keep some bugs away. Speaking of chickens and guinea fowls, they're just a couple examples of lots of animals that were on plantations. They also had cows, horses, mules, cats and dogs, kind of the things that you'd find on a farm today. They had a lot more work to do though. We also talked about Jemmy. He was the leader of what we call now the Stono Rebellion. So if you wanna learn more about him, take a look at that. And now we have talked about how all of the original 13 colonies were founded. So that's Virginia, Massachusetts, New York, Maryland, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Delaware, New Hampshire, North Carolina, South Carolina, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. That's the order that they were founded. Oh my goodness. So now that we've talked about how all of them were founded, we're gonna take some time to talk about what life was really like in the American colonies. We're gonna take a little break, but I'll be back in a couple of weeks and we'll be talking all about colonial life. Remember to visit growingpatriots.com to learn more about me, check out the books, and get more resources like coloring pages and videos that go with this and all of the other episodes. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For all of those, the name is Growing Patriots, and I will see you next time. America.